I believe that Bitcoin is on a trajectory to become the world reserve currency and will be one major piece of building a future of moving our civilization towards thinking long term, having a low time preference, and being sort of much more thoughtful, freedom oriented, and prosperous long term. And welcome back to the Why Bitcoin Podcast, the podcast where we question everything, but mainly why Bitcoin. I'm your host. My name is Jeff, joined here today with my finely bearded co-host, Doug. Doug, how you doing? Hello. Yes. Welcome to the show, everybody. Excited tonight. I'm excited tonight, too. Dude, we are joined with... An awesome guest. I'm really excited to talk to this dude. We are joined with Alex Leishman. Alex, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Right on, man. Thanks, We're excited for, to- thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. You know what, Doug? We should we should iron that out because we always talk over each other at that section. Maybe it's because I'm always talking over you. I, I apologize. Yeah, maybe you should shut up once in a while. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> I should try and shut up. I'm trying to read through the stuff. Okay. If this is uh, your first time here, you can find all our previous episodes at whybitcoinpodcast.com or search for us on Fountain. Uh, Anything you hear here, although we talk about financial stuff and things, especially today with Alex, um, none of this is financial advice. We're just three dudes talking. Do your own research. Buy as much Bitcoin as you can before the end of the world. All right, Alex, uh, to welcome you to the show, what we usually do here I'm a big believer that the world is a flame, that everything is exploding around us. So we like to keep it positive and uplifting by just opening with a nice heartwarming story. And then I usually have a question that goes with it. So today, my heartwarming story is that, okay, I have a friend that has a friend that is a crypto person. And so I asked this person, I was like, hey, I'm talking to a guy that owns an exchange. What exchange do you use? And they use I'm in Canada. They use something called Wellsimple. And I'm like, oh, God, what a nightmare. And then they went on to talk about all the other shit coins they own. And I'm like, this is terrible. And so then we got into talking about diversification. And I'm just like, no, terrible idea. Don't diversify. Buy Bitcoin and sell all your other shit and don't own anything else. That's kind of where I stand on it. And I don't know if she agreed, but it made me <laughs> made me happy to at least get the idea into some people's heads. Because a lot of people don't even know that they're, this is what I realized. A lot of people have no idea that there's even a difference between shit coins and Bitcoin. So my question, my first easy question to you, Alex, is where do you stand on diversification personally for yourself? Do you diversify or are you 100% Bitcoin only or what? No, I don't, I don't diversify. I mean, I'm probably, out of all of my holdings, I would say, 99% Bitcoin. I think I have a smattering of other coins and scattered around random apps from playing around with things over the years. Um, But basically 100% Bitcoin uh, if you round it. And and then on top of that, I own a Bitcoin company. So uh, double that, I suppose. (laughs) Right on. More than 100% Bitcoin. That feels good, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating to still like, I just had a real eye-opening when I was talking to this person. I'm like, oh, wow, people have no fucking clue what's going on with Bitcoin in comparison to everything else. That just seems to keep happening to me. And so it's nice to talk to people that just get it. 
Um, okay, so my my opening question to you then, you know, a lot of a lot of podcasts ask, oh, tell us your Bitcoin story and how you got into it. I kind of want to move away from that question and, and instead ask this one: Why do you choose Alex to be a Bitcoiner? What is it that you what? Yeah, why are you a Bitcoiner? Well, I think the simple answer to that is um, I fundamentally believe that. Uh, you know, I think the, the slogan change the money, change the world really sort of summarizes why I'm a Bitcoiner. I believe that Bitcoin is on its trajectory to become the world reserve currency and um, will be one major piece of building a future of um, building a, you know, moving our civilization towards thinking long term, um, having a low time preference and uh, being sort of much more thoughtful, freedom oriented and um, uh prosperous long-term. Um, that's why I'm a Bitcoiner. Good answer, man. Yeah. Freedom, <laughs> moving, moving humanity forward. It's just, it's nice to hear those things over and over again. I think anybody new needs to, you know, we go back on this show, whether we're talking to new Bitcoiners or hardened Bitcoiners, and it's always just nice to hear the Bitcoin is bringing freedom and Bitcoin is moving civilization forward. So I appreciate you saying that. Okay, dude, I have a bunch of questions for you. I tried to organize them, but they're all over the map. So just just roll with it, okay? So we have some questions about River. I got some questions about your mining thing. I got some philosophical questions for you. We're all over. Perfect. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shoot them at you and then hopefully it may, makes sense. I tried Let's my best. It. Okay, right on, right on. So the first question, well, I guess this is the second question now. Every question is the first question. Um, when I looked into River initially, way back a while ago, um, at first glance, I looked at it. It seemed like it was for people that had like large sums of fiat to buy Bitcoin with. Uh, I got the I got the idea. It'd be like, oh, if somebody has three hundred thousand dollars, they want to buy Bitcoin. I guess that's what River is for. And as of late, it seems like you've moved more towards the average buyer. So I'm curious, uh, was I correct in my thinking and that was what your goal was? And then what changed? And uh, what are you guys aiming for now? You know, it's funny you say that. Um, we've actually always served a pretty broad spectrum of clients. And uh, I think, you know, largely this was a, a branding thing. Um, I think the colors of our brand and some of our messaging, um, you know, uh, seems high end. And uh, a lot of people interpreted that as, you know, only for very rich people. Um, that's actually not the case. Now, it's, it, it is true. We target, I would say, a more upmarket customer base than call it a cash app or something like that. Our, our sort of, um, I would say our sort of bread and butter client, you know, has tens of thousands in their account with us. Um, but that's not to say we don't ha we have plenty of people with you know a thousand dollars of Bitcoin or five hundred dollars of Bitcoin. Um, I think it's really though the, the level of services we offer, uh, uh, especially sort of when we first started, were very um, in demand from the higher end of the customer segment that was not served well by the existing offerings like Coinbase, for example. You can imagine you're a wealthy person, you're used to having a, a private banker. Um, and you go to Coinbase and you buy a million dollars of Bitcoin and you can't get anybody on the phone. Um, and that was, that was sort of where we really just like our, I think our, our, our product and our brand really resonated with those types of clients, but we have always served anyone who wanted to sign up and, and use, use the, use the product. And we are moving towards 
our brand feeling a bit more accessible. So it's less ambiguous, you know, um, you know, I have had a lot of people say the same thing. Like it, it seems like rivers only for really rich people. That's actually not the case. Um, it's just sort of a, I think the, the branding has sort of led people to believe that, but, uh, we're no, we're open for everybody. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I don't know. What, it's interesting. You say that it was like just the colors you use or something. Cause that like, I'm not buying tens of thousands of dollars of Bitcoin. So when I looked at it, I was like, this just doesn't look for me. I don't know if that's, maybe that was just the way I interpreted it, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to serve, uh, you know, all types of Bitcoiners. I think that's a good move, especially considering you guys are Bitcoin only. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So let me ask you this then. What is, what would you say your main differences are between the other, uh, would, okay, well, First, I want to ask, do you call yourself an exchange or is there a different term that you use for a river? So this is really sort of getting into the technical weeds of, you know, the different types of financial institutions and how they operate. Um, technically, we're not an exchange in the sense that when you buy Bitcoin on river, um, like we're not maintaining a, an order book, right? Like like a Coinbase Pro or um, Binance or... Uh, something like that, where if you're trading on their exchange, you're, you're placing an order on an order book and it gets matched with a, another buyer on their exchange. That's technically what an exchange is. So, so for like for most people are familiar with Coinbase, so that's why I'm using that example. Coinbase Pro or their advanced sort of thing is the exchange. And then Coinbase.com, um, you know, when you, when you buy Bitcoin on Coinbase.com and you say, I want $100 of Bitcoin, they give you a price and you click buy, that's actually called brokerage. Um, so we're a brokerage in the sense that when you buy Bitcoin through River, um, we're not matching you with a counterpart, another another River client um, uh, who's selling their coins. We're simply executing your order for you through a variety of counterparties that that we trade with. So technically, we're a brokerage, but colloquially describing us as an exchange is just as descriptive for most people's needs. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, brokerage. Okay, so then so, um, so, you know, a, a high frequency trading fund, you know, isn't using River, right? They're using a Coinbase Pro or a, um, you know, it, you know, well, early, you know, a few months ago, FTX or something like that, right? Right, right. So, um, so then, how do you differentiate yourself from like anybody that's listening to our show? Probably knows who Swan is. I'm in Canada, so people know who Bull Bitcoin is. It's more like you guys are in that group of uh, brokerages or exchanges, whatever term you want to use. So what, what is River doing to different, differentiate yourselves from, say, a swan? Yeah, so th that's a great question. Um, uh, there's a, so there's a few main things, right? Um, one is the product differentiation. So we've, uh, at River, we've built out a number of, I'd say, pretty interesting financial products. Um, uh, in addition to just Bitcoin brokerage, uh, we also have a hosted mining product. So a lot of River clients are actually also mining Bitcoin. Um, they own the machines that mine directly into the River account. Um, River also, uh, we own our, we own our um, uh, infrastructure end-to-end. -end. So Swan actually isn't a financial institution. Um, when you're a Swan customer, you're, you're actually just uh, interfacing. They're just an interface on top of a company called Prime Trust. Um, so your assets are actually, and your, your financial activity is actually with, with a company called Prime Trust, which is a, um, a company in Nevada. Um, so whereas at River, um, so, so which means your coins are there, you're interfacing with them. Um, it's sort of like a, 
you know, just a layer on top of a third party. At River, we own everything end to end. So we have our own trading infrastructure. We have we have our we completely control our own custody. So we know exactly where your sats are at every point of the process. Um, and you are interfacing directly with us, the people who um, who control your coins. And that's really the, the you know, one major difference. Um, uh, and um, for people who really care about, you know, keeping their assets safe, that's a, you know, pretty important distinguisher. Yeah, that's something uh, that's something I've been looking at too a lot is the prime trust connection with Swan. Corey says it's all it's all cool, but all, <laughs> I'm one of the more skeptical Bitcoiners. I'm pretty hardcore. Everything is this, everything is a scam. Hold your keys as much as you can. So if there's any even slight middleman, my red flags start going up for me. So that's good. It's interesting to hear you guys hold your own keys. So then you you just have one wallet that would be like Rivers Wallet. And there's, you know, whatever, 10, 100 million Bitcoins on there. And when somebody buys, obviously there's not 100 million Bitcoins. That's a joke. But so when one of your clients buys Bitcoin from you guys, do you move anything on chain or do you wait until they withdraw from their account? Like, are you custodying Bitcoin on River at an account level? And then once people withdraw, you move the keys or are you moving keys around within the system. So you mean you move coins or keys? Keys don't move. Yeah, yeah, sorry, the, the coins, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so the flow of funds is like this. Um, you know, when, when you place an order uh, and you buy Bitcoin at River, um, you either have cash, you can, so you can have cash and Bitcoin in your River account. You either have cash already, or when you buy Bitcoin, you're, you're asking us to sort of auto debit from your bank account. Um, we're placing that order right away with the counterparty, getting your coins. And then depending on the way you paid, right? If you already had cash at River, it's instant. If you wired money in, it's instant. If there's like a bank transfer, there's like a settlement time. Um, your coins are available to withdraw, um, either anywhere between immediately or some holding period until we get the cash from your bank account. Um, and have some, some level of certainty that it's not gonna get clawed back. Um, you're, you're able to withdraw your coins. And um, basically the way it's working is, you know, River has like the vast majority of our coins in cold storage, but we have some amount that's sort of like floating around in our hot wallet and with counterparties we're trading with at any given time, right? So we always have sort of enough hot at any given moment to satisfy on-demand withdrawals. Um, if people start withdrawing a lot, then what we do is we top that up from cold. Um, and then, but over time, you know, it's usually net buying, right? So People are buying coins, and then um, over some time interval, we sweep that those coins into cold storage as the balances build up, you know, in in the hot system. If that makes sense. And so one of the one of the other difference differences between River and you know a Swan or something like that, or you know other people built on these third party custodians, is when you transact with River, it's actually from your wallet. Um, it's actually immediate, right? So when you withdraw Bitcoin, um, I think with companies like Swan and some others, it's like a day with delay to withdraw sort of a when you trigger a, a Bitcoin withdrawal, um, River also supports Lightning deposits and receive um, from the app directly. So it's a it's a much better wallet experience um, if you're actually using Bitcoin or moving it around. So um, so yeah, does that make sense? Happy to dig into any details there because I know how a Bitcoin company works behind the scenes can be a little confusing. Yeah, that's kind of when I, I want to. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, given all the 
bullshit that's happened in the past couple, I don't know if it's been weeks or months, whatever it is, you know, that term proof of reserves has come up, which I'm not a big fan of, but I am kind of curious about if somebody wanted to be a client at River and you're saying River holds our, our keys in cold storage, have you disclosed what your wallet address is so people can go take a peek at how many coins you guys are holding? Or is that... Uh... So, so let me be a little bit more specific with that language. River holds our keys, right? We control our cust- like our custody system. Um, we control. And we, we hold your coins in our custody system, right? There's not, um, you know, there's there's no such thing as us having your keys, right? Like only you can have your keys. So your keys would be like on your own devices, right? Our custody system you know, is, is our keys, your coins are are in that on keys we control. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you still have a big, big pile of coins sitting in yes. a wallet. We somewhere. have a big pile of coins and 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 there you don't have a um we don't have like one address per customer, if that's okay. what you're asking. So okay. So it, the and the reason for that is, is really operational, right? Imagine um uh you know you're you're buying and selling, right? Uh because we, we support both, right? And we have people who buy, sell, you know, um, move coins around. Uh, you can't reflect an account balance um, on an on-chain address when people need to be able to buy and sell coins quickly, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I understand that. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm asking is like, would, okay, so what you're saying is I open up account at River, Doug opens mm-hmm. up an account at River. I buy uh, one coin. Doug buys one coin. River has a wallet that has mm-hmm. two coins in it. In right. this very, very tiny example, could right. I, as a client of yours, go onto the Bitcoin time chain and see that wallet address? Have you disclosed that address so people can see how many coins you're holding or not? No, we don't disclose our cold addresses. Um, but I think maybe what your broader question is, is like, do we do any like public proof of assets or, or mm-hmm. reserves? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that what you're like? Yeah. The, yeah. That's kind of what, yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to figure out here. Cause I I'm just, I'm the skeptical guy. That's like, if you have any coins on any exchange, get it off as quickly as possible because all of these exchanges are naked. You know what I mean? Like nobody has anything. So if you can get it out, get it out. So I know a lot of people are saying we should have proof of reserves, which again, I'm against. I think that's a stupid idea, but just to play devil's advocate for the people that do think it's a good idea, I'm curious as to what your opinion on it is, I guess. So basically what I tell people is if you're keeping coins on river, you're trusting us, right? Um, now we, we get audited, right? We have an annual financial audit. We are, we have licenses across the country that with financial regulators that, um, that, get these audited financial statements. Um, my fingerprints are probably in the uh, system for, I don't, I don't know, like 40 different states at this point. Um, and we, you know, in writing and uh, in our advertising attest that we, for every coin uh, a customer has in their account, there's a coin in our custody, right? So if we aren't full reserve, we're committing fraud. Um, and, but that, but, but, uh, but at the end of the day, um, you're still trusting something here. And so if you want 100% certainty, you have to hold your own coins. There's no other way around it. Um, and that's just the way it is, right? 
there's there's nothing I can do to give anyone a hundred percent certainty for anything. Um, so for people who want that, I tell them they have to learn to self custody. Hell yeah, man! That that that's what you want to hear from any exchange or brokerage owner. That that's what I want to hear is the people people like you saying get your shit off of the exchange as fast as possible. You, like you can trust oh. me. But I wouldn't trust me if I was you, you know, like that's, that's what we want in the Bitcoin world. So I, I appreciate you for that. Well, and, and I think it's also important to look at our business model, right? Um, I don't make any money holding on to your Bitcoin for you. It's really a liability for me, right? We don't charge for custody and we're 100% custody. So do the math. If, if every customer at River wanted to withdraw all their Bitcoin, it'd kind of be a relief. I don't have to worry about it, right? Um, we make money when people buy and sell Bitcoin. We don't make money from holding your Bitcoin. So it's not even in our interest to try and keep people keeping their Bitcoin in river. <laughs> that opens the, yeah, dude, that opens the question as to why. Yeah. Cause you get the divide that Coinbase wants you to keep your coins with them. Like they made their own Coinbase wallet, which I don't know debatable what that that's about but regardless they want to they want your coins on there you know all the other ones are like yeah you can trust us keep your shit here why is that even something they're doing because you're absolutely right it's just well, a way, yeah why are they doing I mean, that the the reason so there, so um you have to you have to really like understand the business models here so um river makes money when people buy and sell but, but you have to look at our product, right? Our product is not built for traders. It's not built for like people trading a lot. So really the average river customer is just buying and holding. And so um, in, in that situation, there's no incentive for us to like encourage people to keep their, their, their deposits at river. Whereas with Coinbase, what's their business model? They want people to day trade. Coinbase wants people to day trade. So you can't day trade if your assets aren't on Coinbase. I, I, I do actually think it's very likely Coinbase is full reserve. I, you know, um, if they're not, that's, that'd be, I'd be more surprised, way more surprised than, than if an offshore exchange is, isn't full reserve. Um, but Coinbase doesn't want your coins so they can steal them. Coinbase wants your coins so that you, you have them there to keep trading. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just the business model that, that doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. Okay. Um, I want to know you, you just, when did you create river? It's relatively new, right? Yeah. So river was started in 2019 is when, um, we founded it. And, um, so it's almost four years now, I think in, in, in about two months, it'll have been four years. Yeah, I guess yeah, 19 was four years ago. You forget time flies yeah. when you're a Bitcoiner. Okay, so my uh yeah, my question is what were some of the major struggles or like uh difficulties you had developing it, whether it be legal issues and or technical? Like what what were some of the difficult things in developing your your business? Yeah, I mean I think um the one of the biggest headaches has just been regulations, frankly. Um they're expensive. And they add a lot of overhead just operationally to the business. Um, it's a very burdensome thing, um, and that's that's why you know a lot of companies like a Swan or or some or someone else will build on a Prime Trust because Prime Trust has all the licenses. Um, that's why they're the financial institution, right? Um, and so so why did we do all that the hard way? Well, the reason is because we want to we want to 
control our custody. And we want to know uh, with 100% certainty the Bitcoin are there. Um, and we want to be able to provide the absolute best experience to our customers because we want to be like the ones interfacing with them directly. Um, so in order to do that, right, we've had to get money transmission licenses in like, I don't know, something like 40 different states, um, uh, each with its own cost, um, each with its own like, you know, you can imagine the type of regulatory overhead you have to deal with, which then boils down to an, a bunch a bunch of sort of operational complexity for the business. Um, KYC AML, Bank Secrecy Act stuff, um, uh, all sorts of things like that. So that's definitely probably been one of the biggest and most burdensome challenges. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to get any better after this FTX thing. I think the laws are just going to get even more strict. Um, and uh, And then... You know, after that, I would say, you know, a lot of the challenge I think was just like personal, just like this is my first, you know, real sort of company um, and really just getting smart about taking a company from zero to one. It's, you know, I've learned a lot over the last few years, um, you know, who's the right people on the team, um, what's, you know, getting really smart about product strategy. When, when starting River, sort of, it was just a very high level thesis. It was, we want to focus on Bitcoin only and take the fork in the road that Coinbase didn't. Um, what can we accomplish if we do that? Um, that was really the idea behind River. And we started with brokerage. And, um, you know, it's been a very fascinating sort of ride. If I had to do it all over again, I could probably get to where we are uh, four times faster. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's definitely been a lot of learnings on the way. Right on, man. That's cool. Yeah, the, the legal shit must be an absolute headache. Uh, actually, that that's one of my questions for you is... I don't know how much you personally can explain this, but say I'm somebody that's brand new to Bitcoin that doesn't know anything. And all of a sudden you're hearing KYC, KYC, KYC. And you're like, what the fuck mm -hmm. is this? I remember telling my sister about it. And I'm just like, oh, you got to get KYC and all this shit. She's like, what, what the fuck? Like, what, what are these letters? So can you just quickly break down for the brand new person what KYC is in a nutshell? Absolutely. And it's actually not that none of this stuff is that complicated. And I can even point to the exact laws on the books um, that, that that are the reason we have to do this. There's, there's actually really two reasons KYC exists for companies like ours, whether it's us or Coinbase or someone else. Um, and one is legal and one is fraud, actually. And I'll get into that one. And that's an interesting one I think a lot of people forget about. Um, so uh, so KYC means know your customer. Um and really, you'll kind of hear it often, KYC AML. So know your customer and anti-money laundering. It's sort of just an abbreviation to encapsulate the sorts of rules you need to follow, largely due to something called the Bank Secrecy Act of 1970, um, the BSA, you might hear it referred to as. And basically what the Bank Secrecy Act says is that if you are running a financial institution, you need to know who you're serving. You need to have some, uh, they, 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 they enumerate a list of information at a minimum you need to have. And that includes a tax identifier. It includes an address. It includes a name and it includes a number of other things. And so um, if you're a financial institution um, in the United States, you are legally by an act of Congress required to have a certain amount of information about your account holder. And that is the root law that um, requires companies like ours to ask for personal information um, and supporting documentation to verify the, um, the uh, uh, accuracy of that personal information because we're, we live in an online world now 
And it's on us to make sure that if you're telling you telling us you're somebody, you are that person. Um, does that make sense? Is that clear? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. This is, <laughs> I have a bunch of questions from the audience too, but I'm just going to throw this one in now. Usually I do them at the end, yeah. but this one yeah. seems fitting. Um, do you know about the relatively new, oh fuck, what is it called? Um, give me a second here. Oh, the travel, the travel rule. I, I didn't even know what this was. And then I saw somebody comment on it. So I looked it up and at a quick, uh, research, it looks like there's, you have to add KYC rules. If anybody that is part of your clientele is moving coins over a certain value is, is that what it is? Are you partaking in this? Is this something that you can choose to opt out of? Uh, can, yeah. Can you comment anything on the travel rule? Great question. So um, let's first step back and say, well, what is the travel rule? Um, before Bitcoin, what was the travel rule? Um, so the travel rule is a rule that um, applies to you know financial institutions that says like, if, if Alice wires money to Bob from bank A to bank B, bank A needs to tell bank B who the sender was. And, and these, this information needs to be shared. Not only does a bank need to know who they're serving, they need to know where the money's coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, so in, in order so, to receive, in order to receive, you need to know where you're receiving it from, basically. Yes, effectively. Um, now, there's obviously like intricacies to all this, and, and by, this is by no means legal advice. I am not a lawyer, but um, okay. So, well, what about in a world with Bitcoin, right? With Bitcoin, this it's different. Bitcoin's like pseudonymous; it can come from anywhere. Uh, how do you do this? So, um, this is actually still relatively an open question. The industry um, has sort of historically taken the position, the travel rule doesn't really apply to us. Um, that's kind of changing. And there's something in flight, um, I believe it's called, I think it's like the trust network. It's something Coinbase is leading up, where it's like this opt-in um, share information sharing system, such that if you're like an American, if you're an American exchange, um, you can send and receive the information you need about the senders and recipients of these Bitcoin transactions. If um, like someone was sending from Coinbase to um, Gemini, right? Like with this system, they'd be able to see for all of their on-chain transactions, which were um, a transaction from between Coinbase and Gemini and share the information they need. Now, um, River does not yet participate in such a system. Um, we are still waiting for clarity on the rules here to know what is really required. Um, the, like it's been very unclear uh, what sort of is required here for companies like ours. And, but I anticipate clarity to be coming here soon. So um, that's the short answer. Okay, right on. Uh, more of a personal question for you then. A, a lot of Bitcoiners, this is interesting because you own, a, like I'm stoked to be talking to you because you actually own an exchange. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of maybe crazy sounding questions, but just roll with me. These are um, great questions actually. Okay, right on. So most Bitcoiners, you know, in the political spectrum, we're all in the bottom right of uh, anarcho-capitalist. I'm kind of curious. And again, I told you before the show, if you don't want to answer any questions, just say pass or whatever. Like, I don't really care. But I'm curious where you would stand on that political compass. And then if you're more libertarian types, has it hurt you personally to have to like bend the knee to all these laws? And is there anything you're doing to 
try and reduce the effects of KYC AML laws on your clients that that can kind of not break the rules, but at least bend them into a more libertarian uh, freedom sort of fuck the government mentality? Yeah. Um, yeah. All great questions. So, um, uh, so regarding sort of like, what do we do? So we, it, we, we follow all laws, right? At the end of the day, if you don't want your Bitcoin subject to federal law, don't use regulated exchange. Right. Um, and because, you know, I'm not going to jail to, <laughs> to, you know, um, violate KYC laws. Now that said, um, I, I, I have, uh, made it no secret that I'm very much opposed to the Bank Secrecy Act, and I think it should be abolished. And I actually um, have been working, uh, uh, you know, and I and I, I do I, I am relatively active in federal politics. Let's put it that way. Um, and one of my goals is to abolish the Bank Secrecy Act. Um, it's really important in politics to understand the specific actionable things you need to change to get anything done, right? Yelling about KYC doesn't accomplish anything in DC. Um, specifically, I want the Bank Secrecy Act abolished and also the Bank Secrecy Augmentation part of the Patriot Act. That undoes basically most KYC laws. And that's what I want to happen, but it's not going to happen in the near future. Um, uh, politically, um, I think I'm a mishmash of things. I mean, I'm very much libertarian in, in most ways, but I would also consider myself somewhat of a nationalist. Um, I think America is the greatest country um, in the world. Uh, I believe that um, maximizing human freedom means uh, preserving our republic and preserving its principles um, and you know fighting those who, who, who attempt to, uh, to, to take that. Um, I think where I might uh, disagree with a lot of sort of like you, like you said, sort of bottom right of the of the spectrum sort of um, anarcho-capitalists is thinking you can kind of just exit, um, I don't think you can exit uh, if the if the United States falls. Um, I think that's sort of just very wishful thinking because um, I don't think the, the game theory will work out in a friendly way to people who just want to you know say exit to some third world country and live on a beach. Um, I think I think the uh, you know the Pax Americana and the sort of values that you know this country is upholding throughout the world um, won't exist if if it, if it falls. That's fair. I'll let you. I'll, I'll hit you up in a couple of years when I'm alone on the beach and I've exited the system. <laughs> Alex, fuck you. You were wrong, buddy. It's all good here. No, man. I, I see that. I, I was showing a friend with the the political compass the other day, and it's uh, it, it was like a meme one. And the bottom right just says, "You secretly wish to live in a post apocalyptic world." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's fitting. That's pretty much where I stand." So I get it. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, it's tricky, man. Uh, I don't know. It, it's easy to become pretty extremist once you start learning about how the laws work, what they are, why they're in place and what they're actually doing to go full on, you know, fuck this system. I'm out. I'm not taking part. But I'm sure once you get higher into it and you, it, it, if you're actually participating and trying to change the rules or the laws, as it were, then I can see how you'd be more hesitant about just the putting two middle fingers up and saying fuck this shit for sure I, I i understand that that's fair um okay here's a here's another question for you uh are you you must know uh francis pouliot and and bull bitcoin what they're doing up in canada you I'm yeah sure you're, yeah I love okay. What doing. okay right on so can you tell me 
I tweeted out at Corey a while back. I was like, why can't Swan do this? And he just kind of said, there's laws that are preventing it. So I'm wondering if you could just kind of expand on that. Why can't the states do a non-custodial Bitcoin exchange? And I guess for anybody in in the audience that doesn't know, the way bull Bitcoin works is you put in a wallet address, you send money to bull Bitcoin, and they send Bitcoin to that address rather than the way that uh, you guys work at River where you send money to River, there's Bitcoin on your River account, and then you move it off of it. So yeah, what is preventing the state brokerages or exchanges from from following in Francis's footsteps there? Um, but it's still KYC, right? It is. Yeah, it is still KYC. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, actually yeah. I understood the the question yeah just um, on yeah. on top of that one more question actually would you want to do that if it was an option i guess i should ask that question as well yeah so so um well the short answer is you can there's there's no reason cory um cory uh i think maybe he's referring to his own company um they're not licensed money they can't touch people's money right so they can't do it um, if prime trust allows it they can do it we can do it at river if we wanted to there's no reason we can't so you need money as long as you have money transmission licenses, you you could you can do that. So, so do, that, that, do, you do, that? do you do well, that? Do you do that? Well, basically, what you're asking is like, why don't we remove a click, right? So sure. Um, yeah. So you know, let's say you wire money to River, and click buy bit. So part of part of this is also sort of like the payment rails people are using, right? So let's let's there's there's two types of rails in the United States: is ACH and there's wire. Let's talk about wire. Wire is irreversible, right? So it's it's way less risky for Bitcoin companies to um, send Bitcoin, l- allow people to withdraw Bitcoin bought with wired funds. So if somebody wires money to River, they click buy Bitcoin and they can just just withdraw that Bitcoin right away in the like like on when they're logged in, right? They can click buy and then click withdraw. Um, so you know we haven't really had any feedback to suggest that this is really a problem for people that they really want us to like be able to like save an address that they have and just like withdraw it immediately. Um, now with ACH transactions, which is the sort of low, lower end of the market, right? People buying less than a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin aren't wiring funds typically. Um, uh, ACH as a payment rail is reversible for a long time, which is why um, we have, there's like a holding period when you buy Bitcoin with an ACH transaction from like a, a traditional United States bank transfer. So the, like the company, like a river needs to have certainty that that transfer isn't going to be reversed before we let you get the Bitcoin. Right. So that's why there's like, you'll, you might've heard see Americans complaining about like a holding period or something like that. Um, and that's, that's the reason for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess if, if the customer demands, you're, you're saying the customer demand is not there for it. And then you'd just be adding more uh, risk on your end. Cause somebody could, sorry, what was the three letter thing that you said? There's wire and ACH. ACH. Yeah. So with ACH, if somebody sent you money <clears throat> ACH wise, then, and you directly sent them Bitcoin, they have the potential that that money transfer could be reversed and then you just send Bitcoin to somebody and you don't have the money. Is that what you're saying? Right, exactly. Like um, if someone buys via ACH, you actually might not find out for three or four days whether they had sufficient funds in their bank. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so it's like a delay, inherent delay with ACH purchases. 
Okay. The other the other benefit to what Francis does is that he batches all the transactions and then he coin joins them as well. So what are your uh, opinions on coin joining and batching transactions just for added um, privacy to your clients? Or is that just something you're kind of letting the, the market decide that they, they don't care enough? Um, so like, I love batching. I think it's great. Um, you know, we batch when it makes sense. Um, but real, real, rea- realistically, um, the way our wallet works is unless you're making a really large withdrawal, in which case we'll actually um, give you a call to verify that withdrawal just for security reasons. Um, the, the, it just happens immediately, right? So like we, we just make, we make, we give you your transactions on demand. So you get it right away. Um, we're not holding it for some like extended time period to try and make a batch. Um, so we found most people, they just want their Bitcoin as fast as possible. So that's why we do that. So it sort of like runs a little counter to batching. Um, but it's not to say, you know, we, we did use the batch more. But, you know, then people would withdraw and then we'd say like, well, wait 30 minutes because we're doing a batch, right? Um, and it just wasn't as good as a, a user experience. So um, it's not like we're opposed to it. It just sort of seems to be a better UX to process their transfer immediately. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it seems like you're more focused on uh, ease of use and, yeah, good UX. Are, are the people that are coming to River, are they mostly... Like, are they already hardened Bitcoiners or do you get a lot of people that are brand, like people doing their first Bitcoin purchase or is it kind of all over the map there? No, well, it's, it's, I mean, we, we obviously get a lot of, you know, really um, uh, passionate Bitcoiners, but frankly, you know, the majority of our business is just from normal people. Um, you know, I think maybe this isn't obvious to a lot of people, but Bitcoin Twitter isn't the real world, right? Hold on, I'm going to stop you right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that doesn't make uh, any no, I sense. Haven't said, I haven't said I've been very good and very quiet this whole interview, but excuse me, sir. You're crossing a line, uh, Alex. <laughs> you know, you know, the reality is I would say probably like 95% of our revenues come from, you know, like people who aren't on Bitcoin Twitter, right? Um, so uh, it's it's not... Um, it. it, it Bitcoin Twitter is sort of people who they already sort of have their own things going, right? They know exactly what they're, they're, a lot of them have already bought the Bitcoin they're going to buy, right? Yeah. Maybe they have like a good income stream and are like buying more regularly, but like, um, it's not like a lot of people on Bitcoin Twitter are sitting on a large chunk of cash ready to allocate, right? The people who are like that are typically like just normal people, um, that have traditional investments and they heard about Bitcoin and somebody who was on Bitcoin Twitter, like recommended them to river because they knew they're going to be taken care of. Right. That's, that's like a lot of the, the types of type of business we see actually. So it's people that have typically have a passionate friend, but they themselves are relatively new. Um, of course we have the passionate Bitcoin users as well. And we love serving them of course. Um, but, uh, but you know, 99.9% of the world isn't on Bitcoin Twitter. So, you know, naturally, a, a lot of our, our users are just normal people. Right on. Good, good in differentiating Bitcoin Twitter and quote unquote normal people. <laughs> I <laughs> agree. I'm on Bitcoin Twitter I, and I don't, you know, um, but uh, I, I don't pretend uh, that, that I'm, you know, sort of like the typical consumer. No, absolutely. You know what? That, that actually kind of sparked a question in me now is, yeah, when we're on Bitcoin Twitter, we do forget that the rest of the world exists. 
And to, to hear that most people are just normal people buying Bitcoin, it's pretty, I guess, it's bullish to think that most people are going to a Bitcoin-only brokerage to buy Bitcoin that aren't on Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but do you know if there's like, are there exchanges where people are going to buy hundreds of thousands of dollars of shit coins too? Is, is that even a thing? Like, I have no oh, idea. Sure. So I think, yeah, so... You know, when you run a consumer business, you have, you just like, you can't, you like, you just get deeply, um, sort of, uh, uh, you get immersed in sort of just like what, what's out there, like what kind of people are out there. Right. And there's a lot of people with money, a lot. Um, and, uh, uh there are people who casually invest a million dollars in shit coins. Um, there's a lot of money out there. I think one of the one of the biggest surprises to me when starting this company was how many rich people there are, um, especially in the United States. And um, so I, th I think you'd be surprised. Uh, there's a lot of money out there. Yeah, a lot of stupid money. It's a shame, right? It's it's good that people are finding Bitcoin, but I just can't Im imagine. God, yeah, <laughs> bringing it back to this. Well, a lot, of, a lot of times it turns into a lot of times it turns into a lot too, right? You know, I guess. let's say you're a doctor, you make, I don't know, six, seven hundred grand a year. You're a surgeon or something. You throw twenty grand in Ethereum a few years ago. You're like, yeah, yeah, my friend told me about this thing. Opened a Coinbase account, bought some Ethereum. Yeah, you know, I got a lot of it, right? It's not like it's just that stuff happens all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so then now they have like five hundred thousand dollars of Ethereum or something, right? It's just the, like hundreds of thousands or millions of people are, you know, sort of kind of like that, right? Getting dumb lucky. I know. Hopefully Ethereum explodes soon. I'm in that camp. That that's that brings me back to the, this girl I was talking to this morning about the diversification. Yeah, just a couple months back, we were talking. She's like, uh, I don't want to go too much into her story, but she's basically like, oh, nobody knows how much money I have in this whole crypto thing. I'm going to be just fine. And I'm like, oh, what do you have? You know, and she names the top 10, a few of which... I won't even name them. You know which ones are there. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucked now, aren't you? You know, it's so bad. So yeah, maybe the doctor that bought into Ethereum a couple of years back is doing okay. And hopefully he recognizes what he should do with those newfound, <laughs> Doug, what do we say? Uh, fat gains, bro. You know, major gains. Yeah, bro. sick gains, bro. Sick, sick gains, bro. Yeah, do something with it, like buy Bitcoin. But most of the people uh are just getting wrecked on these shit coins so i i don't know i just i fucking hate shit coins i don't know even why i brought it up sorry <laughs> moving on <laughs> don't let me rant about shit coins again i feel like we end up doing that way too often um okay here's another question for you then off the wall what is i guess this is another just legal question hopefully these legal questions aren't too boring i think they're interesting because I, I don't know the answers to any of them but uh what's stopping uh like you have all these reasons why you can't do, like you need the, why you had to go get those 40 money transferring licenses from all the states. What is stopping you or somebody else from just going to another country, Cayman Islands or whatever it is, whip up an exchange, accept US dollars and send the Bitcoin wherever the fuck you want to. What's stopping somebody from doing that? The fact that the US government is the most powerful government in the world and can get you. Okay. Um, if you're serving Americans, you'll notice even FTX is pretty careful to not serve Americans in their FTX entity. There's a reason for that. Um, and that's because the U.S. government will go after you. 
and it doesn't matter where you are good luck hiding from that fair enough fair enough yeah <laughs> i suppose that's uh, the best idea the government will get you wherever you are it's well, just especially if you're american it's especially if you're yeah, american okay, okay, right like i'm signing true. up to never see my family again right like even if i can't get extradited um i won't be able to come back so that's not worth really any amount of money to me right yeah it's just uh those laws are there and if you break them they're gonna fuck you so yeah it's frustrating for sure okay i feel that this is more i have a more uh philosophical question for you as it were this is something i thought of very early on in my bitcoin uh i don't know life journey whatever you want to call it is that i believe that exchanges by and large are just a very very temporary blip in the history of what bitcoin will be like we we could very easily see in 20 years no need for exchanges anymore like maybe that's being a little aggressive but honestly if if we go through a crazy hyperinflation the us dollar is fucking useless and everybody's using bitcoin then exchanges don't matter anymore so i guess my question for you is uh have you thought about this do you think about that do you have plans for both yourself and or your company uh in that in that future that we're heading towards yeah actually i agree with you um so so maybe maybe i maybe you aren't aware of this and it's sort of not as widely known there's actually a separate side of river um it's called river lightning services so one way to think about river is um so we have a consumer and an enterprise side to our business the consumer side is focused on sort of accelerating bitcoin as a store of value and the enterprise side is focused on accelerating bitcoin as a medium of exchange so the enterprise side of our business, um, River Lightning Services, it's a it's a lightning um, infrastructure company that's powering Chivo, um, uh, Chivo Lightning Payments in El Salvador, and uh, Lord, a bunch of uh, we're onboarding in the process of onboarding a number of other customers that are, um, you know, adding lightning to their own apps um, uh, through our our infrastructure. So we've built this pretty cool lightning infrastructure over over the years um, that's been powering the River app for our lightning transactions and is now powering other businesses. So um, I'm already building towards a world where Bitcoin is the currency of the internet. And um, the consumer product in that, uh, in that world um, has a different revenue stream than brokerage, right? Brokerage is sort of not as interesting because people are getting, because Bitcoin's got a circular economy at that point. People are earning in Bitcoin and paying out in Bitcoin. But um, what that means is that the consumer business just looks different, right? The revenue streams look different. Exactly what they are is to be determined. But um, we're still positioned to be, you know, your bank, right? Uh, it's just going to be Bitcoin only. And we'll have to find other ways to provide value to you that you're willing to pay for. Shit, man. I remember when you said that, I remember seeing the Chivo thing. And I remember hearing about River having some sort of connection to it. I just put it together in my head right now yeah that that's you guys so man i kind of want to dive deeper into that how much how much did you have to do with that what was that process like like did you guys help develop the chivo app are you in direct contact with uh bukele what what happened there how and how is it going now or do you so, just are you just on the back end so we, we're the we just serve the lightning side of things um uh we're the you know, you can think of us as like Stripe for Lightning, right? There's a lot of other stuff going on with the app that we're not involved with. Um, we are, we also weren't the initial Lightning provider, but we are, we have been the Lightning provider for some time now. Um, 
and uh, it's 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 really incredible and you know humbling to be able to power such an awesome um, you know app uh, and and such a you know well, I really admire honestly the government it's um, there they've done an excellent job in my opinion um, very high caliber people um, uh, and so you know, we are obviously very involved, um, but really this product, this River Lightning Services is, is beyond just El Salvador. You know, we're, we're um, building this to power lightning payments for the world uh, and make it easy for, you know, the 99% of businesses that aren't gonna want to run their own full-blown lightning nodes uh, to transact on lightning. And um, so, yeah, uh, you know, that's, so we're, we're a technology company really at our heart, right? That's why we've built everything ourselves because we're building towards a world where Bitcoin is the reserve currency of the world. Brokerage isn't a business, it's a feature. Mm. Bitcoin brokerage isn't a business, it's a feature. And that's how I've always thought about it. So um, they're, like in, in 10 years, I don't think Bitcoin brokerage is, is making much money. Interesting. Um, okay, I know you guys are pretty outspoken that you have the largest or one of the largest lightning nodes or highest capacity lightning nodes. Uh, is that still true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, sorry. Yeah. I said a question about that. I just want to make sure I wasn't talking out of my ass there. Um, so does the Chi, are you telling me to, I could be completely misunderstanding this, but are you saying like the Chivo wallet is connected to your lightning node? Therefore anything that happens from Chivo app to Chivo app is really just lightning Bitcoin bouncing around in your one node or yeah. No. So no. Well, that's okay. not how Chivo's built. So okay. only when, only when we cert, we facilitate lightning transactions that are external to Chivo into Chivo. Okay. Chivo to Chivo transactions are just done in their database. Okay. So Chivo is just, sort of like a paypal in itself where it's just like here's our money it's like a custodial app. okay Chivo's gotcha like app. it's not non-custodial okay but but what you guys are doing is if i want to send because it's still a it's still a lightning app so technically if i wanted to send somebody bitcoin via and they had a, a chivo wallet i could send it to yes. them via any lightning and most likely it would send through uh rivers node that's what you're saying well it 100 percent is sending through rivers node if it's from okay. a if it's from a different app into chivo it's sending through through it that's that transaction is powered by river lightning services that's cool man okay so then what do you have your because you can change you can bounce around with the i know lightning fees are like minute but if you're doing that kind of volume even a point zero 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 one percent would it's eventually going to be something i guess that's what your business plan is can you uh tell me like what what you have those set at or so um so well so with chivo it's a little different because the transactions are originating from our system but um you know because we we also just route a lot of you know payments through our nodes just through the network we actually put out a lightning report that you can find um if you go to our blog um blog.river.com um you can probably see the lightning report there still um we have a in detail where we reveal all of our node metrics and how much routing revenues we earned uh, through the whole year. Um, and so you can find all the details there. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I recommend checking that out, but um, yeah. And I mean, I think the lot, like the, in that report, the most recent month um, we, we earned a third of a Bitcoin and just routing fees. 
Um, That's but the business model for RLS, you know, RLS customers actually they pay us like a um, they pay us in fiat to use the system. Okay, gotcha. So that's cool. Okay, so you have it open to the public. If we want to go check that out, we can. That's cool. Good on you. Um, man, that's cool. I, I didn't know that you were doing that. River, dude, you guys are fucking under the radar, man. We got to You got to get River more out there. Honestly, like it's yeah. weird, right? When when a new Bitcoiner comes into the space, they see, and I don't know why this is, but. This is something I'm personally going to start doing. Uh, I guess I should. We should have disclosed before the show that you guys are. We are an affiliate of you guys now. But even besides that, I do want to just. I want more people to know about River because, like, you come into the space. You're a brand new Bitcoiner. You find fucking Coinbase. Like, oh, this is cool. Then maybe you find Binance, and then from there maybe you find a Cash App or a, a Swan. And it seems like Rivers low on that fucking totem pole. And I don't think it deserves to be. Um, I don't have a question here. I just kind of, I'm applauding you for the work you're doing. So I, I appreciate that, man. I just, I kind of wanted to say that before we moved on. You, you guys are fucking killing it over there. And I, I think you deserve more, um, just more fucking, I don't know. I don't want to say marketing, but just more like people, more people should what? be talking about you. That's <laughs> all I'm trying that, to say. That's really what it, it, you know, that's really what it is actually is, is uh, it, it's marketing, um, you know, really, um, and we, we didn't hire our first marketing person until like a few months ago. Um, uh, but we actually grew, have grown very well through word of mouth. Um, we actually have a very healthy business, um, and, uh, things are going quite well for us. I think it's just on the big, on the Twitter side of things, we're not as, um, uh, active, but we are changing that because we really should be. And really what it comes down to is the DNA of the company. Um, I'm a builder. We're all builders. We've built a bunch of really cool technology, um, but we're not good talkers and we need to get better at talking. And, and that's something that we're really investing a lot into. Um, and we have some talented folks to help with that now. So, uh, so yeah, i very aware that, you know, in the, in the Bitcoin world, we're, we're sort of quieter and I do want to change that and really show river, show the world what river, what river has done. Right on, man. Well, if, if you're looking for a social media manager, dude, you got, I'm in your DMs now. I'm just joking. Maybe not. Okay. Um, I want right, to go so hold on. A second. Oh. I want to, I want to ask something. He hit on something that I, before, before we get too far away from it here, I want to, I want to go back to this river lightning services. So, uh, Alex, I, uh, uh, I have my own small business and I was looking at, at the, the, your, your web page there you have like a like a one sheet web page kind of a thing yes um is that river lightning services is that more for like app developers or is it actually for like small businesses it's for app developers it's it's for developers okay. right now now okay. over over the time we might change that to make it more accessible to um non-developers and, and build out richer sort of no code stuff there um but uh it's still again this is sort of like the river approach like we built everything and like, um, I just threw up a landing page recently after having like, you know, you know, a nation state using this thing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> right. Like we do, th we kind of do things very like different. I think, um, uh, we, we, we build a bunch of stuff and then like start talking about it later. Um, so that's the case with this. So like over the next, you know, sort of few, few months, um, we'll really, you know, level up sort of the comms there, the marketing showing people like, what does this product look like? How do I use it? Um, uh, but yeah, we, we sort of like, you know, build the thing and then do all that. <laughs> Is there any, are there any plans to sort of work towards integration with, um, 
like uh like website like website slash business providers like a uh, shopify or uh what's that one big big commerce or something like that there's a, there's or a couple of commerce that yeah or like, or like square or something like that um uh stay tuned um right now it's really like for 2023 it's going to really be a pure infra business so um you know pay, like think of payment processors might build on rls right so you might have a lightning payment processor in um you know south africa or thailand um and and what they're really good at is building like the merchant experience and understanding the local um fiat rails in the local market and language but they don't want to run their own lightning infrastructure so they'll just build that on rls right i see um, okay that's sort of how that that's sort of how to think about rls at the moment okay cool thank you doug any more questions before i keep grilling them yeah you just keep going buddy you okay. just keep going okay th this is one where i fundamentally disagree with the t uh the way that uh, you took your business and i'm curious to kind of hear your reasoning behind it talking about your mining program um mm -hmm. it is a actually why don't you explain what your mining program is and how, how it runs and then we can uh dive into it a little bit further sure so river mining is a um, product that allows uh river clients to buy um Bitcoin mining machines um, where they own, they're the full owner of the machine. So it's not like a cloud mining where you're buying some like six months of some ambiguous sort of mining thing. You, you own your machines. Um, and we, we procured um, uh, what's called colo space, basically these mining facilities with cheap energy um, where you can run miners way more efficiently than you could in your own home. Um, we procure that in bulk uh, to, to give our customers access to, uh, much cheaper electricity than they could have themselves and run your miners for you and um, integrate this seamlessly into your river account. So the Bitcoin gets deposited to your account every day. You can see the performance of your of your machines um, and easily pay your hosting bill um, through your river account. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's the, uh, that's the product in a nutshell. Okay. So yeah, that, that I got a bunch of questions here. I guess question number one would be, what is the, what do you see the benefit uh, as being the customer in this case? Why would I, as a client, want to buy a miner from you uh, to host it for me? Yeah, what what benefit does yeah, so that I'll, give to me? Well, well, I think I think the the bigger question I think maybe you're getting is why would I want to invest in mining at all? Is yeah, that sort of what you're getting at. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it's like, well. I think the first question is why would I want to allocate money towards mining and then like why river, right? Um, so I think the, the thing that a lot of people in Bitcoin Twitter don't understand is that a lot of the people investing in mining aren't comparing it to buying Bitcoin. Um, I think one of the, the big sort of mistakes a lot of people make is they assume, well, like I could just buy Bitcoin and have more certainty about sort of how much Bitcoin I'm going to get for my dollars versus mining, which is absolutely true, right? You have a lot more certainty about how much Bitcoin you're going to get with your dollars versus mining. But um, a lot of people are, we ha we've had a lot of people buy miners um, as their first Bitcoin investment because they actually are interested in like um, potential dollar denominated returns. Um, uh, because mining, you know, it's, it, we, we found it's, it's much more interesting than just buying spot Bitcoin for more traditional sort of finance type investors. 
um, because it has cash flows. Um, it has like a PNL that they can analyze, and um, they're making they're basically making a bet on on, on the dollar returns they're going to get that just ends up as Bitcoin, and and then it's actually like often people's first foray into Bitcoin. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can see a lot of the Bitcoiners say you're never going to get as many sats back if you just buy the sats outright, but you'll definitely get more dollars. That's for sure. I, I agree with that. But why wouldn't why wouldn't people just why would what the fuck am I trying to say here? Why would you hosting it be a better option than me just buying a miner outright and having it at my house where I know where it is? Oh, well, that comes down to electricity prices, right? Um, your residential electricity prices are likely going to be way higher than what you're paying us. Um, you know, let's say you live in Hawaii, right? Where it's like, I don't know, 25 cents a kilowatt hour or something, right? Um, we we're charging, you know, between, you know, seven and eight. But yeah, but you're assuming then that that also at scale, you can't run these in your house, right? At a certain scale, you can't run these on a residential power supply. Where do you stand ethically on just the idea of people mining on the grid then rather than if you really want to be for Bitcoin, the idea is to find the cheapest energy possible, right? Which is what you guys are doing. You're trying to find the cheapest energy possible. So I just think anybody that's wants to buy a miner, the more ideal thing to do, obviously, if you're in Hawaii and you're paying the grid, you're going to lose. But also if you're in Hawaii, you can go, you know, go find a waterfall and fucking hook it up somehow like that. You know, uh, there's lots of different ways that uh, Bitcoiners are u using to, to find cheaper or free energy. Right. So what it like, who, who's your target audience then for that? It's somebody that yeah, who's your target audience well, so, for your mining program? Well, I mean, the, the target audience, like again, like just like the brokerage business, it's really a spectrum. We have we have Bitcoin super fans that buy one miner and they just want sort of like to play around with the product and it's just exciting. And we have more traditional investors that you know are not Bitcoin Twitter people that want to allocate millions of dollars because they've done the math. Here they they've made a bet on energy prices and and Bitcoin prices and maybe silicon supply and um, difficulty and they want to make a financial bet on that. Um, and we have the most compelling economics and they don't want to, um, you know, there's some rich person, they don't want to set up a hundred miners in, you know, their house, right? They, they just want someone to handle this for them. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's sort of like a, like, you know, the service we offer is like, we make it really, really easy. And, you know, you can do the math and decide if this is something you're interested in. Can I ask a, let me ask you a question, Alex, because I don't really know. When I first started my Bitcoin journey, I was a shitcoiner for a while. Mm -hmm. And I went ahead and I bought like uh, graphics cards and I set up a miner for Ethereum. And I was doing that for a while. Uh, but one of the things I was running into, because I'm not really tech savvy, was you had to tweak constantly to like mm -hmm. get the best performance. Is that something that you guys have to do as well with the, with the ant miners? I don't know, so I'm asking. So we don't um, we don't like offer overclocking and stuff like that, um, right? Because it actually voids the warranty, um, and we just run it stock. Uh, but they perform, uh, you know. It, it, the cool thing about river mining is like in your app you can see exactly how your miners are performing and if they're performing to the hash rate that you purchased for for each machine, right? So so you buy two 100 tera hash S19J Pros, um, you can see like was my average hash rate over the last month 
you know, what, what I thought it was going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, you know, the machines, you know, like th these recent batches of machines from Bitmain are pretty good. So they've been performing quite well. Um, we do handle repairs when, when like a, a board goes down in the, in the machine or a fan breaks, um, we handle all that stuff. Uh, okay. so, so yeah, we, you know, we make like, that's something that, you know, if you were mining at home, you wouldn't necessarily know how to repair a fan or switch out a board. Right. Or it would take you like a month to get it all done or more. Right. We just, we just handle it. Right. So let me ask you a final follow-up then on that is that <clears throat> I buy, I buy from you guys. Let's mm -hmm. say I decide six months, a year down the road that I, I want to take my ant miner and run it myself. Do you guys mm -hmm. ship that out then? Or how does that, do you buy it back from me or how does, yes. how does that work? Yeah, out? You have a right to, to, to claim your miners now really okay. like there's kind of, so you, your, your miners are yours. Um, now there's a hosting <clears throat> agreement that you've committed to paying, right? Because we've reserved this space for you. So sure. um, that's sort of like a separate question. But you have every right to your machines whenever you want them. Okay, that's cool. That's very cool, actually. That was that was when I saw that. That was kind of like the only concern. See, I'm I'm not. I don't agree with Jeff on on that because I I see the value in it. If nothing else, like for someone like me, if if uh, you know, if I just knew that I was having more Bitcoin in my pocket every day, like that that's kind of worth the price of admission to me personally. Uh, and then, you know, obviously I'm asking these pointed questions because those are the kind of things that I would ask, you know, like I don't want to, to, you know, tweak this crap every day or have to re repair stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Let, let um, me get yeah. my, let me get my skeptical glasses back on then. I try and, I try and figure out incentives, right? Like wh what are, what are the goals people are trying to go for here? So if, if we look at, okay, let me. Let me try and gather my thoughts. I guess question another question I would have is why why don't you, Alex, just buy a fuck ton of miners and then run them and don't even offer this service? Because you would get paid more just getting the sats yourself rather than offering to sell the miners. Or is it that um, financially beneficial to you, profitable to you to sell the to sell the machines and have this hosted facility? Like wouldn't it just be easier to just mine yourself? Well, so, so that's a great question, but you could also ask, wouldn't it be easier to just, instead of running river, just buy a bunch of Bitcoin, right? Like, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, but, but like here, but here's the other thing. And, and there's a simpler answer actually. And, you know, I, I don't mean to be snarky, but um, we don't have the money, right? Uh, if you think about what's that, what we're actually providing is we're serving as a middleman, right? Um, our customers are have the cash. We don't, right? So, like our customers are buying a bunch of money. We don't have the money to buy those miners, but our customers do. I get that. So then the right. other the the issue that I guess this is all uh, what's the word when it's alleged the alleged thing that happened to Compass Mining, which comes up when you say hosted miners, right? Is they were either selling miners they didn't have or not shipping them or taking people's money and not actually running them. So all of these things could are potential uh, things that could happen to your company as well. Right. So what, I mean, I guess but those things could happen in, you know, like in any company dealing in a real world asset yeah. or anything, right? Like that's more just a reputation and, um, you know, acting in good faith uh thing you know issue not not necessarily inherent to mining 
Right. So you're just, yeah, you're just saying, don't trust us, hope that we do good. And then over time, if you don't fuck up, then it'll be good. But, you know, well, I, I am saying, you know, we, we are, our people are trusting us. No, yeah, that, yeah. Right? right. You know, they, they are trusting us. And, and that means a lot to us. And, um, you know, we do everything we can to, to, to do right by our clients and provide them the service that, that they paid for. So eventually, I mean, miners are a scarce asset. There's only so many miners in the world and we know that there's been all the, you know, chip shortages and all that shit. So do you have a stockpile of miners waiting to be sold right now? Or do you just for each individual client that comes on, Hey, I'm a new client. I want to buy 10 of this unit of miners. Then you, Alex, have to go out to the market and find those, those machines. How does that work? So um, it, it really depends on the size of the purchase, right? So at any given time, we'll have some some inventory. Um, and it really just depends on sort of like the state of like procurement. But um, like, you know, right now we have, you know, a bunch of miners just like up and running, ready to go. Like if someone wanted to buy it, we could just like uh, flip a switch and point it over to their account, right? Um, and they're just right now running, running for river. Um, but uh, let's say somebody came and was like, sometimes people come and want like a really custom thing. They're like, I want a hundred of these models. So what we'll do is we'll go broker a deal and procure those specifically for that customer and say, here's when they're going to ship. Here's when they're going to arrive. Um, and sort of like one off procure those. So for the larger orders, they're typically like matched one-to-one for the smaller orders. They're just sold out of a batch. Okay. Fair enough. Is there anybody that you know of, uh, other than compass that's doing this right now? And do you no. see, no, um, do you see, a, do you see this? Hard oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, well, I, I said no, um, it, but like, it's, it's a hard business. I mean, doing stuff in the real world like this is like, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Right. And that's why I think a lot of people aren't doing it because it, um, it isn't like it's, you just, you don't just like, uh, write a few lines of code and, you know, call it a day. It's like, it's cap, there's capital you need to put up. There's logistics. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I feel like, uh, if, if we agree that exchanges are going to be a temporary blip in Bitcoin's lifespan, I feel like hosted mining is going to be even shorter, right? Because ideally like to be a profitable, profitable miner, you need to actively be going out and searching for cheaper and cheaper energy. So do you have guys on your team that are going out and looking for cheaper and cheaper energy? Like right now, is that happening or have you already locked in a place that you have a set that you, that you pay per kilowatt hour or like in order for river to be as profitable as possible, you need to basically have free energy if this is one of the ways you want your business to go. So do you have people on your team looking for cheaper energy all the time? Um, yes. We, so we have people looking at different, um, like colo opportunities, uh, to, to expand the product, but we're actually like running this product in a unique way. Um, like we're almost completely sold out and we're not, you know, procuring new space right now. Like it might just be sold out for a while because unlike mm -hmm. some other players, Right. We only expand when we're like a hundred percent sure it makes sense. It's a good rate and it's a high quality facility. Like if no more high quality, if there isn't a high quality facility that checks every single box that we have and has all of the economics that we need, we're not expanding the product. Um, because it just comes back to bite you in the ass. Uh, and, and, and it costs you more at the end of the day, if you're expanding 
into low quality things. Um, so I'd rather not expand the product and run out of miners to sell than expand into any sort of questionable um, colo facility. Absolutely. Um, dude, you're like one of the talking to you is good. You seem fucking genuine, which I appreciate. Um, there's so many fucking, you know, we know there's so many scammers and people out there just trying to do anything they can to make money off this fucking Bitcoin thing. Um, I appreciate the way you're, you're doing it. I'm curious if there's anything like, what is it in your past or did anything happen in your life to make you <laughs> or that puts you on this path path of just being an honest fucking businessman because there's not many of you out there so i'm i don't know if the, you can just call on anything that did you get scammed in the past did you get fucked over by a business partner did anything happen like that where you said when i open a business i'm gonna do it fucking legit and i'm gonna make it work the way it's supposed to um well i i do appreciate the kind words um you know i, I guess um I, I think maybe there's 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 no no there's nothing that like sort of like happened to me that like sort of um you know made me like this really i think it's just like i think the easiest way I, i'm just selfish right like um and i value certain things that uh would make me run the business this way i value sleeping at night i value not going to jail um i value not running out of money um i value uh having very happy customers it makes me feel good um and all it, like because I value those things, I run the company this way. It's actually quite s simple to me. I think maybe some people just don't value like um, sleeping at night that much, um, or they're just able to sleep at night with much more risk, um, and therefore they make different decisions than I do. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably like the easiest way to explain it. That's awesome, man. Good on you. Fucking love talking to Bitcoiners. <laughs> it's just like I don't I know. Mean, I don't I, like, honestly like like it actually like. Like, I understand the psyche of like an SBF or something like that. But honestly, like for somebody who's relatively intelligent as, you know, I do think he's not, he's not like a total, like, you know, caveman. Like you kind of have to wonder, like the, the logical decision would have not to run a, would have been not to run a Ponzi scheme. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like he didn't make a logical selfish decision on like a long, like a longer time frame, And I, it, it doesn't really... I guess, yeah, it's just like some people just don't think ahead, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't, it's like, what's your end game if you're stealing people's money and like creating unsustainable risk? Like, it's not going to end well. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely what it is, man. It doesn't make sense. Those people, I just don't understand them. It, and that, that's why we as bit like, I don't know, I'm not trying to be too, uh, what's the word? rude to you or combative or whatever it's just you got we have to be skeptical of everybody like everybody you know there's that there, there's that uh right up that i can't remember who did it but everybody's a scammer like you should just assume that everybody's trying to fuck you because most people are so uh i appreciate you <laughs> taking the questions that, I, that i'm asking at least i'm trying to do it as honestly and uh nicely as possible uh yeah man you oh, see, you see great, great questions i appreciate it okay right on dude i have you're kind of a technical guy. Let's move on from the, do I have any more mining stuff? Uh, do, 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 do. No, I think that's it. Oh, um, do you think hosted mining will become a bigger part of the Bitcoin world? Like, like, do, I don't know. I see, we talk about hyper Bitcoinization a lot on this show and I just see a world where everybody's going to have a shitty little miner running just because they want to, make sure that the network's are running properly. Like 
right now most people have no well, not most people but bitcoiners have nodes and then i think in the future everybody's just going to run a miner because yeah you, you might not make sats off it but it'll be more valuable for you to know that the network's running the way that you want it to um and in your vision of the future do you see it becoming more of a, a centralized thing where there's just a bunch of hosted miners around the world like okay you can go to river financial and host your miner there you can go to xyz whatever it is what what, what what's your vision of the future of hosted mining i i really don't know how it's all going to play out um you know at the end of the day like mining is not like, going to be a high margin sort of thing um just sort of the nature of economics um you know i i think it's just going to be potentially very regional um uh, like, I don't know. I think it's very interesting sort of what they're doing in, um, the, the, I forget, Gridless uh, in Africa, I think is a very interesting setup. I don't know if you guys have sort of seen what they're up to, but um, a lot of these uh, like communities in Africa have like a cheap sort of like hydro generator um, and makes them a few dollars, a, you know, a day or a week or something when they mine, but that's actually like a lot of money there. Um, so I don't know, you might see, see some community mining. Um, I don't think most people are going to own miners. I don't think there's really a world where like most people own miners. Uh, I think it's more likely that people own equity and large mining operations. Uh, I think, I think hosted mining is either for those mining operations or for like the hobbyist or like, um, like someone who wants to allocate capital and really just get their Bitcoin. They don't want it like, um, encumbered in some sort of like company or anything like that. Uh, they just want to make a bet on this mining thing. They want to get their Bitcoin, but I don't think it's going to be the majority of people. So I guess like long story short, um, I don't know how it plays out. I think it's just going to be a mishmash of people that like mining. And I don't think it's going to be like everyone is interested in mining. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, oh, last question on the mining thing is how do you prove to a client that their miners are their miners. Like, do you physically take a picture? Here's your miner running, or how do I know that my miner is there? Is it only that I can just see the sats flowing into my account or is there any, anything else you do? Like, is there a serial number on these machines that you can send to the people? What do you do there? Um, yeah. So, so every, um, every miner has serial numbers. Um, now there's like real world sort of like challenges here sometimes with like um, the facility, you know, hasn't gotten us the serial numbers yet, but they're up and running, right? So we can't less like, like there's like some delay between when we can tell the user their serial number and when they actually their machine is running. So like the answer is like, yes, we have proof. We don't know like photos or anything like this. A lot of the stuff is like, if you think about like the reality of like on the grounds, like we're not the ones running the facility we're contracting. Um, and we're, we're a customer of a colo facility. Um, but, uh, I mean, so one is you can do the math, right? Um, you can look at the network difficulty. You can see how much Bitcoin you're supposed to get based on the hash rate we're telling you you have and see if you're getting it, right? Um, and then we also are happy to provide our customers with written um, representations uh, or uh, further evidence that their machines are actually there, what the serial numbers are, and any, anything like that, if, if they if they want that proof or evidence, um, so uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's the I don't know if that that answers your question. Yeah, no, that that, that does for sure. That's fair. Okay, man. Uh, cool. I appreciate you answering all those questions on the mining thing. It's just uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where that goes for sure. Um, 
question i should ask this when we're talking about lightning can you explain what tarot is yeah um so tarot is a way to it stands for taproot asset representation overlay um, it's a scheme developed by lightning labs to represent fungible assets and, and also non-fungible assets uh, in sort of another way of doing it um, uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain um, using Taproot, as, which is like a new protocol level thing that allows this to be done more elegantly than you used to be able to do it. The cool thing about this is, and so like the, the typical example is like you can put stable coins on Bitcoin. Um, and uh, historically, this was done with something called the Omni protocol. That's what Tether used to run on. Um, but this is a much more elegant way of doing things. And the, the cool part about this is that you can actually also um, move these assets into lightning channels. Um, you can open lightning channels with these assets and you can transact these assets over the lightning network. Um, and so um, now realistically, what, what isn't going to, there isn't going to be like full paths of like dollar channels, like connecting everyone. There's going to be this like Bitcoin lightning network. And then at the edges, there's going to be asset channels for people who want to transact in, in those assets. So for example, a merchant could have a, a dollar channel open to them, right? Let's say a merchant wants to get paid in dollars, um, but anyone could pay that merchant through their Bitcoin lightning wallet and not even know that the merchant is receiving dollars in this last hop. Can and I stop you? Can I stop you for one? Can I stop you for yeah. one second there? Sure. The merchant that's accepting dollars, are we saying that the dollars that they're accepting is actually whichever stable coin it is? Like it's actually USDC or Tether or whatever yeah, stable coin it is? Oh, USDC on Taro. Okay. Okay. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. Okay, carry on. Yeah. It could be like USDC, Tether or something else, right? Um, and uh, And so they can generate invoices that anyone can pay from their Bitcoin Lightning wallet, but they're receiving it in this Taro asset in the stable coin at the last hop. And that, that final routing node is providing that swap, um, which is still trustless. Um, and uh, vice versa, somebody can pay out dollars and the recipient can receive Bitcoin, right? Um, you could even use this for, tr for more permissionless trading, right? Uh, you could have a, um, a dollar channel and a Bitcoin channel with a routing node and swap your dollars and, and Bitcoin um, via Lightning. And, and basically just trade non-custodially. Uh, and yes, it's not like dollars in a bank dollars, it's a stable coin representation of dollars. Um, so there is a trust aspect there to the stable coin issuer. Um, but that's the high level concept. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So you use the, the word dollar and stable coin interchangeably there then. That, that you believe stable coins are, and dollars are one and the same, are you? I, well, are you a fan of stable coins? Do you think they, they serve a purpose then? Well, I mean, is your, like, think of, I mean, I think if you're going to go there, there, right? Like, okay, is your dollar in Venmo a dollar? Mm -hmm. Right? Is your dollar in Cash App a dollar? I mean, what is a dollar, right? Is your dollar in the bank a dollar? I mean, it's not there, right? They're lending it out. So, so like, like, dollars are, are claims on dollars all the way down yeah right yeah um so like i don't see a stable coin as fundamentally different than um a dollar in a bank account um it's all about the trust you have in that institution a bank can go bust too um so you know 
yes, that they're not all like the, the, the red pill is no dollar is created equal. A dollar in one institution isn't the same as a dollar in another institution. A dollar in a small community bank isn't the same as a dollar at JP Morgan um, and isn't the same as a USDC dollar. Um, so that's how I view it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i on team fuck fiat. Let's let it burn so I don't like stable coins. But I, I can understand, like, yeah, if it, I like the way you put it where it's, a stable coin, you could compare it to a PayPal dollar or a Venmo dollar. It's all just, you're, you're still trusting the company that's running it, whether they, they claim to be decentralized or not, I suppose. Fair enough. Um, so are you planning on implementing this tarot thing into into your River Lightning financial services thing? So people will be able to get stable coins through River or no? So we're looking at, you know, supporting it in River Lightning services um, to make it easy for other businesses to, to build on that. But I think we still have quite some time before it's really production ready, um, before we even start started implementing that, because there's still a lot of work left to do to get this thing working on Lightning. Yeah. Um, whether we implement something like this in the River consumer business and make it easy for people to, um, you know, it basically, do we add some sort of stable coin support to River? Um uh, for the for the consumer business, um, TBD. Uh, I think like we'd we'd really need to evaluate what's the demand there. Um, there hasn't been like a huge like ask from our customers, um, but if they wanted it, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think the that's one of the the things I think about with Bitcoin a lot is like we could either see it just completely destroy the dollar and make it completely irrelevant, or Something I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is maybe the camp that you're in, is that Bitcoin will actually extend the life of the dollar because people will just be able to use it easier and they won't notice that the value of it's changing so much because you'll be able to move it in and out of all this shit. So Bitcoin could actually make the dollar last longer than if we had a future where Bitcoin didn't exist and we just saw it hyperinflate against every other good and service you could purchase oh i don't I don't want that future but maybe that maybe that's where we go <laughs> it is what it is fair enough okay um that's tarot oh dude i got some fun questions for you now you said you had time how oh geez. Yeah, I got time. okay i didn't realize how long we'd been going for uh anybody listening i guess this will be a little bit longer of a show dude you're a fan of the kardashev scale can we talk about the kardashev scale for a little bit um yeah sure we, We've done an episode on it uh, a while back. Doug had no idea what it was, so I did an absolute shit explanation of what it is. Uh, we won't get into the ins and outs of it. I guess my question for you is, uh, do you believe that Bitcoin... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I believe in my psychotic brain here. I think Bitcoin proves that there's either no aliens or no aliens right now, because if there were, you would need to have an app you have to discover absolute scarcity in order to collect all the energy from your planet in order to turn that into something that you'd be able to travel to other planets for. Therefore, I think that humans are probably the most advanced species, if not only species in the universe at this point in space time. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Have you extrapolated out that far? Do you think if, if there was other species out there, they would have found Bitcoin or whatever they called it and then they would have came here and mined our energy. Is, is that where you stand? What, what's your 
theory on the Kardashev scale and what Bitcoin's going to do uh, for humanity to it? Do you think Bitcoin takes us to a type one civilization and further? So I think Bitcoin helps move us towards a type one civilization. Uh, certainly. I don't think it's the only thing that gets us there. I think Bitcoin is not Bitcoin. I don't believe is a panacea for anything. Um, I think culture um, is just as important um, for Bitcoin, just as important as Bitcoin. And yes, Bitcoin can influence the culture, but largely not completely. Um, you know, Bitcoin exists because of a certain culture. Um, and so, so basically, but I do think Bitcoin does help move us to a Carter Shift Type 1 civilization and helps us capture the energy available to our planet. Now, what does it say about aliens? I mean, I don't know. Um, I think there's a, many reasons, right, that uh, I, I think there's a, like, there, there, there's, there's a lot of different, you can get a lot of different answers on this topic, but right, there's a lot of different reasons we, we haven't been contacted yet. One is that we're alone in the universe. Um, another is that there's a lot of civilizations out there, um, but they've either existed at different times or they're just like too far out of, you know, they're just too far away um, to ever reach us and for us to ever see them. So we're effectively alone, even though we're not technically alone. Um, another option is, you know, these, maybe they get so big that they decide they don't want to bother us, right? They're benevolent. Um, they know they know we're here and they want to see us go through the levels ourselves. Um, my favorite theory is that, uh, that uh, we can't detect alien civilizations because they've all, they've gotten to Kardash. We've, we can't detect sufficiently advanced alien civilizations because they got to Kardashev type two and had built Dyson swarms around their own suns. Um, and therefore the light doesn't leave their solar system. Uh, and they utilize all of the energy available to their solar system completely. So we can't detect them. That's my favorite theory. Yeah, I like that theory too. But if they did that, then they would, if you can harvest all the energy from your solar system, then you'd be able to, the theory is you're, you can travel through your galaxy, right? And then I guess they'd be working on salvaging well, all the energy. you can start, right? You can yeah. start traveling through your galaxy, but it doesn't mean you can get everywhere in the galaxy. Right, right. Getting to another star is really, really hard. Yeah, Bitcoiners are probably it's probably going to take us like at least four or five years from now until we can figure <laughs> right on. Okay, man. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know. I think I think Bitcoin is very. I, I think it's one of the major factors, if not the main factor, that will drive us to a, a type one. Uh, if not just that, it drives us to, uh, you know, harness energy better, but also just that it makes the type of per like again to bring it back to the scammers and all these shitty types of people you can't have those people on a bitcoin standard they just don't exist they fucking fizzle out so it, it makes better people using energy in better ways so i don't know i think bitcoin's awesome in that sense and I, i'm glad to hear you kind of say similar similar idea um oh shit i wanted to ask you this too <sighs> okay what do you think do you think that what's your vision of hyper bitcoinization i just saw recently somebody tweeted out like maybe normies will never wake up and bitcoin just becomes like what what gold was for so long you know gold bugs forever like hey yeah if you don't have gold you're fucked but most of the world had no idea there, there's a future where bitcoin becomes that too it's just hey if you don't have bitcoin you're fucked but still there's 80% of the population that's just like, 
okay, I guess I'll be fucked. And they're just, you know, they're asleep at the wheel. Where, where do you stand on that concept? Or do you think eventually everybody, everybody uses Bitcoin because they have to? What's, what's your theory? Um, well, I don't think hybrid Bitcoinization is inevitable. I think we have to make it happen, right? It's Bitcoin isn't, I don't believe Bitcoin is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I believe that um, it takes smart people building hard things to, 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 to help it um, reach, its, reach its potential. Um, and it's possible it doesn't reach its potential if we don't build what needs to be built. Um, you know, I don't know. I really don't know how it all plays out, to be honest. I mean, the reality is 99% of the world would rather use dollars than Bitcoin right now. Um, and objectively, Bitcoin uh, dollars, if you have access to dollars, they're a better medium of exchange and unit of account at the moment. Um, now, in a world where the dollar collapses, is does Bitcoin fill the void for everybody? Is Bitcoin going to be ready to be that currency that people lean on? And I, the answer is I hope so. And that's what I'm working towards. And that's what I want to you know, prepare and do my part in helping make happen. Um, so I don't really think a whole lot more deeply than that. I sort of honestly, like my whole Bitcoin journey, I've been working on this for basically 10 years now. Um, I sort of just like, it just feels right. And so I do it. I don't really like intellectualize the long term a whole lot. I don't know if that sounds silly, but that's just sort of how I operate. It just seems like it's part of a prophecy and I'm just playing my part. Interesting. You don't like to, you don't like to think about the future too much. You're, you're, you just like to live in the moment and say, this is where we are. This is how it's working. Let's keep moving towards it. You don't like to, you don't like to I, speculate I like to on that. the future from a technical perspective. Okay. I don't really care about macroeconomics. It's really uninteresting to me, frankly. Right. I know that might sound silly. It's just like, I just don't like, I don't gain pleasure thinking about how like, macroeconomic events play out over like 20 years and like like sure like basic things like yeah i think the dollar like inevitably will collapse at some point fiat currency is terrible um and bitcoin is an obvious solution um anything beyond that like exact like game theory of how it all plays out i kind of just like sort of I'm like sort of like a Hayeki in there just like I think it's like a fatal conceit to try and like guess what's gonna happen that's fair I see the way I see it is like you know we talk about the dollars going to collapse at some point in the future when when I really became a Bitcoiner I was like oh the dollar has collapsed like in my personal life the dollar doesn't work for me anymore I can't use this I need something else and then I found Bitcoin so I just feel like that's gonna happen to everybody like there's there is no other option. It's not like, oh, the dollar's collapsing. What are we going to do? It's no, everybody's going to be sitting at home looking at their finances, whatever it is. Be like, fuck, I can't afford milk this week. What am I going to do? I don't have any money. And then they're going to realize that dollars are stupid and hopefully they find Bitcoin. Otherwise they just can't buy water and food. And then they get, you know, they fucking die. Like that's kind of where I see it. It's not, it's not going to be a one overall oh the dollar has just failed now it's going to be each individual person failing by themselves and realizing oh this system is broken 
and it, it'll just be a kind of an individual wake up for each individual person. That's, that's kind of where I see it. That, that's how it worked for me. Anyways, I found Bitcoin when I was at the lowest point in my life. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like things were really not good and I didn't have another option. Bitcoin was there. I was like, Oh shit. And then you think you're going to get rich and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. And then you guys, Oh, I'm not going to get rich, but at least I'm going to be able to save some fucking money. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, I, I suppose I understand where you're coming from that you don't want to extrapolate too far into the future. Um, maybe that's just a me thing. I like, I, I, I love thinking about that shit. Like what's going to happen next, but that's fair. I, I won't uh, prod you about that. Um, let me ask you this question then is what do you think, if any, are some of the ways Bitcoin could fail? What, what are its uh, attack vectors as, as it were? Um, I mean, I think if the U S government decides to just like outlaw Bitcoin, um, I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it like, I don't, obviously the Bitcoin network doesn't just disappear, but I think, um, I mean, I think the value just like subside, like goes down like tremendously. Um, like the governments can dry up liquidity and like force it into the shadows, right? They can't kill it, but they can force it into the shadows, which would harm it until the government's change their tune or disappear or like there's enough governments around the world that realize there's like value and being the contrarian and attracting that to their countries. Um, so I certainly believe like that's definitely something that would really set Bitcoin back if it happened. Um, um, I, I think like there's also just like technical bugs, right? Like Bitcoin can just break. Like there's humans who write code for Bitcoin. Um, it's not impossible that just like something happens and it's an absolute cluster and uh you know maybe it can be forked off or like we can rewind things or something like that but like it could be like a really bad thing that happens because of some you know accidental just bug in the code um uh it's a very real risk um i think a little bit more exotic than that is just like crypto like yes bitcoin is um uh, Bitcoin is secured by math, but guess what? We actually really don't understand math that well, right? Like humans don't really understand math very much. Um, and like, we don't know which math problems, we can't prove certain math problems are hard, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there's sort of always like the looming risk that um, some someone sort of unlocks something in mathematics that sort of invalidates some of the hardness assumptions of various various cryptographic primitives securing bitcoin um like the um like the uh um elliptic curve discrete log problem right uh like that secures bitcoin cryptographic signatures right um and so that's also a possibility um i think it's a little less likely um than like a human bug but it's certainly real um uh, I think maybe another possibility is just like humans just never really want this thing that much. It's just like the properties aren't like maybe Austrian economics like gets it wrong. Like it's nothing. Maybe it's not what people actually really want. Like they don't like the volatility. They don't like the fixed supply. They want something a little more smooth and predictable. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, do I think Bitcoin's going to fail? No, if I did, I wouldn't be working on it, but um I think these are things that people don't talk about enough. That's fair, dude. I'm like shaking. I'm like, fuck you, Alex. The math is perfect. No, there's no bugs are going to happen. I don't like hearing any of this, but no, it's good. It's good. It's interesting. Those are, those are fair points. 
yeah, we do not understand math. You're absolutely right. There, there could be something that, like, I mean, absolute scarcity in math was a dis. Ooh, do you think Bi- this is kind of a cliche question? But do you think Bitcoin was then a discovery or an invention? I think Bitcoin was an invention. Okay. I think do- Bitcoin was piecing together existing primitives, um, and I mean, you could call sort of discoveries that I, I, I think Bitcoin was invented. Um, okay. And uh, I think that, yeah, um, and it's built on some some mathematical assumptions, like cryptography. If you like read a cryptography paper, right? Like a big part of cryptography is you list the mathematical assumptions for this thing you're doing, right? And so Bitcoin has those too. And so those are assumptions, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just hope those assumptions hold true. That's fair. Yeah, it'd be weird if. Uh... The math broke. That's something that I hadn't really thought of. I, I've really gone down and I didn't know shit about calculus or any of that stuff. And then when I started learning about Bitcoin, I tried to figure some of it out. But yeah, I mean, I guess all of them are up for grabs. Anybody can break a math problem at any time. <laughs> well, cryptography is more about number theory and yeah. group theory. Right. These sort of like sort of interesting things and, you know, like encryption from the 90s is broken, is dead today. Right now we've got a lot better really fast. Um, but, um, and I'm not saying there's any sort of imminent threat there, but you know, it is, it is real. Fair enough. Okay. This is a question I don't even want to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you think that there could be any other use cases for blockchain technology? Um, so, you know, I've done a lot of thinking on this, um, and uh, like the, the, the short answer is no, but the longer answer is a little more complicated. I think there's value in the Rube Goldberg machine of complexity to distract regulators and allow people to do stuff with their own money that they should be allowed to do, but can't easily um, in like DeFi, right? So like, um, for example, uh, like, I think it's kind of cool that you can borrow USDC against WBTC uh, and no one knows who you are and you can get like a really cheap interest and like buy a, put a down payment on a house or something. And like, you know, yes. Is any of it cryptographically sound or like, are there central points of failure and should it technically be like not work because of like the trust? Like, yes. But the reality is like people have gotten away with it and it's kind of cool. Right. Um, so I would say like the Rube Goldberg machine of complexity opening up a regulatory arbitrage for some like finite period here is useful. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I have a few quick uh, I have a few quick questions from the audience, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, I really appreciate your time, Alex. Man, you've been awesome. Let me just uh, throw some of these at you. Uh, why doesn't River accept direct deposits? Um, from like paychecks. Sure. Um, because we just haven't built it yet and we haven't had that much of a demand for it. We sort of assumed, you know, like basically we've thought about like, do we want to offer like a checking account? Um, and we sort of have made the determination so far that like, we can't do banking better than banks. Like we can't be a better checking account for you than your current bank. 
Um, so we might as well just like set up like an auto, make it easy for you to just connect your bank account and then just move cash or click buy, you know, from river when you need to, um, that might change at some point, but I think most people like normal people haven't really requested this, but it's something where we always evaluate. Okay. Fair enough. It's just, yeah, it's just another one of those demand things when, when people need it, you'll, you'll add it in. Um, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Last question. Um, is onboarding of people who are new to Bitcoin happening as quickly as you'd expect? Is this happening through word of mouth or there? Oh, this is the interesting one. Is there efforts made by River to find potential new Bitcoiners? Um, so the answer is like, yes, we're actually like working on, you know, trying to reach new people um, with more outbound outreach um, over the coming year, especially given the nature of the market, like there's fewer people just coming to it. So you kind of have to go find people. Um, but, uh, you know, what was the other question? How do most people find it? Or like, are a lot of people coming to it? I mean, the reality is like, I mean, the short answer is almost all people come to Bitcoin when the price is going up. Mm -hmm. There's always some people that find it at random times because they read something and they go down the rabbit hole. But like the waves of people come when the price is going up and that's just the way it is. Yeah, that, that's what I think too. It's just, we're going to think nobody's here when it's the bear market and then the bull market will come and we'll get a huge wave of people coming in again. It is what it is. Cool, man. Okay, dude. Uh, that's been awesome. I appreciate all your answers. We have a couple quick little segments we do here at the end. If you want to stick around for that, that'd be cool. It'd just be another 10 minutes sure. or so. Doug, you ready? Sure. Are you there? Oh. Yes, I. Yeah, sorry, my <clears throat> my throat. It's my I couldn't talk for a second. I got locked up. Apologies, man. Uh, I got excited talking to Alex. I'm just like throwing questions at him. It's been fun, Alex. What one of the? Oh, Doug. It's time for. Boosts reads. That's right. It's time for, wait, which one are we doing right now? I think we're doing boost reads. That's yes. And that is what I just played. So obviously that makes sense. It's time for boost reads. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is sponsored by River. Securely buy Bitcoin, purchase mining rigs, and even access the Lightning Network at river.com. To get started, use the link in the show notes to get up to $10,000 in bonuses on River. And River and Alex, we thank you. Right and you can, uh, you can find them at partner.river.com backslash whybitcoinpodcast. That was a beautiful read, Doug. Alex, what do you think? Do we still have the job? That was a pretty nice read, huh? He's got a good reading voice. great. <laughs> right on. It was great. Okay. This, you, got, this is... you got a voice for radio. I don't know if you have a yeah. face for radio. I got I a face for, I was just going to say that. Ah, you guys. <laughs> All right. So. Okay. This is the part of the show where Alex, I don't know if you're a fan of, um, Fount the fountain app it's a podcasting app where you can uh not only stream sats to your favorite podcast you can also earn sats uh while you're listening and you can also send sats with a comment attached to them uh we ask if you or we appreciate if you do that and if anybody sends us boosts we like to take a little second here to read them out so doug i'll i'll read the first one and uh, you can read the second one sound right. good okay yep, our, our first boosts 
reads comes from Radix Rat, who says, Boost boosts reads intro makes me think we are getting a Tales from the Fair update. If you guys bring that segment back, just use the same music for both, which makes me laugh. Because <laughs> it's a long it's a long intro, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Radix. I've edited it down a little bit, but I don't care. I still like the music and it's that's just the way it's gonna go. So it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. So the next one is actually a response to a question we had because we get uh, we had a boost on the uh, the Big Sean Hair. No, that was that Katie the Russian that we had. It would have been Katie. Yeah. yeah it would have been Katie the Russian. And then uh, Butter Bitcoin says, "I was making fun of Jeff for not mu- muting his mic and coughing <coughs> during the boost reads intro." Yes, smartass. I guess I owe you sats for the confusion. Butter Bitcoin, thanks so much. And you know what? You can boost anytime and make fun of Jeff anytime you want, man. I give you full permission. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Feel free to boost um, insults my way. I, I will I will be able to make it through. <laughs> I'm sure the sats will help with the insults. No problem. Yeah. Right on, dude. Okay, thanks everybody for the boost. We appreciate you. You can find us on the Fountain app. Just search Why Bitcoin with a question mark and send your boost there. Just use Fountain because it's fucking awesome because you can uh, earn sats too. Alex, do you use Fountain yet? Uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, I, I just set it up recently. Um, I haven't sent any sats yet, but I'm looking forward to uh, getting onboarded here. I just created my account like last week. Oh, right on. Oh, right cool. On yeah man yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good experience man i i really enjoy it and I, I like being i like using it and i like on both ends i should say i like using it as as listener and i like using it as a as a caster so it's kind of fun it's very cool all right, all right jeff i guess it's time for why bitcoin presents your weekly price check okay you do it you want me to do it? Oh, it's time for the yeah. Bitcoin weekly price check. That's right. Okay. Uh, anybody listening at this point in your Bitcoin life, you should know that the price doesn't matter. Hopefully, Alex, you agree. We don't give a shit about the price. But Doug and I do like to take a look at what the price is just because we think it's a cool little time capsule in time. And maybe if we listen back to this podcast, or our kids listen to it in a couple decades from now, they'll be like, oh, that was crazy. What? Bitcoin had a price. That's weird. Um, <laughs> so we, what we do here to keep it fun is me and Doug have a little game. What we do is we guess what we think the price of one Bitcoin is going to be at the next recording of our podcast. Um, Alex, if we have a guest on our show, we ask that you play with us and simply making guess what you think the price is going to be. We, you don't have to play if you don't want to. Uh, some people are really against price speculation, which is fine. But that's fine. You make your own choice. We keep it interesting by um, putting some sats in a pot. Doug and I have a bet on the line uh, of 100,000 sats. And whoever guesses closer each week gets a point. Whoever has the most points at the end of our season, which is ending soon, gets a sat of pots. It starts at 100,000 sats. Alex, if you do decide to play with us and your guess is closer than mine or Doug's, we add 5,000 sats to our pot. So you can make it a little bit harder for us to to part with our sats. Uh, Are you opening to make a fun little guess on what you think the price is going to be? Let's do it. Okay, right on, right on. All right. So let's review last week first real quick. We had good old big Sean Harris on. Um, Jeff was the bitch bear at 15,860.02. I was middle of the road at 17,434.20 and Sean was the big bull 
18,126.33. And according to timechainstats.com, we are looking right now at 17,180.35 cents. So, Jeff, that means I win again. Yeah, there you go. So what are we at right now? Okay, you are sitting pretty with six points on the season, and I have 11. So you you just have to earn five points, and you tie it up, and you have a few more episodes to do it. Five, five points out of four episodes. Perfect. But the points, double, the points double up at the end of the season when we get into well, these yeah, I mean, situations. Yeah, we'll see about that. But. All right. So, uh, Alex, we're going to take 30 seconds here now. What we like to do is we write it down kind of like a, a, an honor system sort of a thing so no one's making up the price on the fly. We're going to take 30 seconds from right now, and then I'm going to ask you your, uh, your input on this. Starting now. And, sorry, it's the price when? when uh, next Monday. So the next recording of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So Roughly so 1,440 blocks from now. Okay. Oh, my God. You're such a nerd. <laughs> here we go. All right. Alex, as our esteemed guest this week, why don't you go first? I guess uh, 16,548. 548. Gotcha. And Jeff, I won, so I'll go next. I'm, I am a little more bullish at 16,955.55. You're not going to believe it, Doug. I'm the, the bull, bull this I'm the bull this, this week. I, that, I don't believe it, actually. I, I've been the bitch bear all season. I still said yeah. 16. I said 16,980. Just a hair under 17. The price okay. been flat for so fucking long, man. I'm, we should That's see a fine. move somewhere. Cheap sats, man. Cheap sats. Cheap, cheap sats, okay baby. All right, man. There it is. Lock them in. Right. Alex, right. dude, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it uh that was a long list of questions for you and you i really appreciate all your answers i really appreciate the discussion man you're a great dude and i definitely recommend anybody listening go check out river oh fuck one more question i have for you alex um do you have any plans of expanding to other countries i.e canada it's definitely something we've been considering um really the really the uh probably not in 2023 um, but it's something we'd certainly evaluate in 2024. It's really just uh, another legal system, another regulatory structure. Uh, it's a lot of work to 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 change to, to go to a new country. So, um, River Lightning Services though is international. Right on. So it's just it's just the legal shit that holds any given uh, exchange or brokerage from crossing borders. I guess so you just have to go through all the money. You need a legal bank account stuff. there. Gotcha. You need like all sort. Yeah, it, it gets complicated. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, man. Um, well, let's give you a couple minutes here to, to show anything you want to show. Uh, definitely let people know where to find you on Twitter and all that good stuff as well. Um, well, I appreciate you having me on the show guys. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I've probably said it all, but follow us on Twitter at river. Um, or, uh, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Leishman, um, L E I S H M A N. Um, 
if you have any questions about, about the company or, or anything I said, feel free to DM me. Be happy to, to answer the questions or, or introduce you to someone who can. Um, and yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen. And, uh, uh, you know, we're all in this together and I think we're all trying to push Bitcoin forward. And if you have any ideas for how, how River can better do that, feel free to let us know. Right on, man. We appreciate you. All right, Doug, you won, dude. You get to take it out this week. All right. Tonight was an interesting one, folks, and we thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Talked about a lot of different things. Uh, Talked about a lot about River, so we hope you guys check that out. And, uh, yeah, while you're doing that, we just want you to, uh, to keep stacking sats, and we'll see you next week. All right, cut.